Slick V on the track. God is calling me. I'm in a zone. I gotta see my doctor. Scott is calling me. me What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Hammock. Uh, flying solo tonight, but that's okay. We just wanted to bring a recap show to you. Jacob could not be with us tonight, um, or I guess if you're listening to this during the day, during the day, um, he is probably enjoying a nice, fresh Dole Whip right about now in the most magical place on earth, Disney World. So happy that he's able to spend some time with family, um, but you know, college football never stops. So happy to talk about some some of this weekend's action. Um, definitely a lot that we want to get to, uh, probably won't be too long of a show though. Cause it's just me and you here. Um, you, the listener, me, the expert, or so we say this week did rough on the picks. Uh, my worst week to date, I went one and six, Jacob went five and two, um, much better than much better than I did, and so he's officially caught me, and you know, it's fine. I've just got to focus and get going the rest of the year, um, but some games I want to touch on, um, obviously just, you know, craziness happening on with with Michigan in their victory uh, versus Rutgers. Um, they went to three overtimes, and that game was bananas. Um, I actually came out somewhat impressed with Michigan, um, just being able to resilience on offense to be able to roll out another quarterback in, uh, Cade McNamara. He came in, he threw five touchdowns. Yes, of course they did have the, th- the three overtimes, so a little extra time there to throw those touchdowns, but, um, or he threw four, excuse me, in the game. He's got five on the season, but... He was in relief of Joe Milton. Um, you know, Rutgers is a team that's been playing hard this year. Uh, so I'm not, you know, surprised that Rutgers gave them a game. Michigan's been trending down. I do think this is a big win for them. Um, if it was just them winning, you know, against Rutgers by these amount of points, and, you know, they were already having a good year, this would maybe be a cause for concern. But I'm actually impressed with Michigan. So, uh, good for them. They needed to get back in the win column. They did that. You know, that game was crazy, but it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Rutgers covered with the 12 points. They weren't on our picks, but it was an interesting game nonetheless. Um, next, Jacob's playoff Trojans. They definitely showed up versus Utah. Um, it was USC's first time really kind of showing off uh, and showing out that they are a potential playoff team. Uh, not sure what this means for Utah, if this was just Utah not quite being up to up to par, or if this is a USC team that um, is trending in the right direction after having a, a scare um, in the previous week with Arizona. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on there. Um, you know, Bedlam, man, we were both really looking forward to watching this game. And it was not really a game. Oklahoma was trending in the right direction. And I took Oklahoma State because I just thought, you know what, if not now, when? 
That's really the wrong mindset to have when picking these games because Oklahoma is really starting to turn it on at this point in the season. Spencer Rattler is playing some of the best football um, that he's played all year. Uh, he threw four touchdowns. He had 300 passing yards. But, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, I mean, my goodness, you know, 141 rushing yards. And the running the ball was was important in this game. Um you know, time of possession, things of that nature. Uh, Oklahoma had it. They were they beat them by about 10, 10 minutes in time of possession. Um, you know, it was a it wasn't close. Forty one to thirteen is the score. Um, Oklahoma State only had one turnover. So, if you'd have told me before the game if Oklahoma State only turned the ball over once, then I'd actually feel good about them having a chance of covering. They did not though. And, you know, Oklahoma is probably the best team in the Big 12. And they just took a little while to get started. So that's something to, you know, keep in mind as we go forward to get closer to the Big 12 championship. Um, Oklahoma is definitely trending in the right direction. But, you know, the, the Big 12, their championship hopes are over as far as the playoff goes, college football playoff. But... Man, if Oklahoma doesn't look great for next year um, in the way they're trending now. So um, I'm not going to speak a lot about Alabama. Um, they proved that they are still one of, if not the best team in the nation. 63-3 over Kentucky. Everybody got to play in that game, and the tide keeps rolling. Um, Auburn... And Tennessee, this one was a little bit interesting where Tennessee looked like they had a chance to be in this game and a pick six thrown by Jared Garantano. Who else would do it? He threw a pick to Smoke Monday. He took it like 103 yards back the other way. Um, Auburn, that seems to be their specialty, the pick six. And then on offense, it seems like that's the specialty for Tennessee. I think Jared Garantano's thrown three or four of those now on the year. Um, so, you know, Tennessee's definitely reeling, but Auburn kind of hitting its stride with a 30-17 win. So impressed by them. Um, Wisconsin, you know, my Badgers, the Graham Mertz, Mertz season, you know, they, they lost to Northwestern. 17 to 7. A bit of a surprise. Um, <clears throat> but Northwestern, you know, like I said going into the game, this was the one game I got that I picked correctly. I picked Northwestern plus the points. Um, and they, they won outright. I think that it's one of these where they just probably got overlooked. And, you know, Wisconsin's a good team, um, but they didn't have it in this game. They lose 17 to 7. All of this kind of building to, you know, the the Big Ten, which I'll briefly mention, Penn State, another heartbreaking loss, um, and this time to Iowa. Penn State lost by 20, and the yardage was about the same, but they had four turnovers in the game. Penn State seems like they might be on the verge of quitting, um, I don't know if it can 
get any worse. Worse? How could they get any worse? Take a look around you, Ellen. We're at the threshold of hell. And, you know, it's it's going to be a rough season the rest of the year for James Franklin. Um, if they don't get this thing turned around, they only have a few more games left to salvage it. So, you know, we'll see how things go. Um, but the big game in the Big Ten is what I want to talk about, spend some time on, um, and then we'll kind of jump back into the SEC for a little bit, uh, talk a little Georgia with JT Daniels, and we'll come back to that. So first, Ohio State, my goodness. Jacob and I were both on this pick. We picked Ohio State to cover the 20.5-point spread over Indiana, and they were up early. It looked like it was we're going to cover town. You know, it's just one of these early Ohio State leads. They were up 28 to 7 at the half. And then both teams score 14 points in the third quarter. So it's, it was like, okay, well, if sir if if this score holds, then you know, Ohio State's still gonna cover. Um, but Indiana, I am thoroughly impressed with Indiana. You know, we were first to the table with telling you that we expected Indiana to have a good season. Michael Penix Jr. and those receivers, um, specifically Freifogel, had the game of his life. Seven catches, 218 yards, and three touchdowns. Ty Freifogel, he just was balling out. Um, scored on a couple of long touchdown passes from Michael Penix Jr. And, you know, I think that that might be a chink in the armor for Ohio State. Um, it might be something that Ohio State's going to have to to fix, or that might be their kryptonite when they get to the playoff. And yes, I said when they get to the playoff, because there's nothing really in their way from here. But Indiana scores 14 points in the fourth quarter and shuts out Ohio State, and they had the ball with a chance to tie it at the end of the game. So final there is 42 to 35. An absolute fun game to watch, especially if you like offense. They're slinging the ball all around the field, and you know I think that um, I think Indiana is better than we gave them credit for. And like I said on the preview pod, that if Indiana, you know, I jokingly say that they could have led in this game. They never led in the game at all. But if they hung in the game, is my main point. They hung in the game then, you know, that's going to be big for their morale going forward. Right now, you know, I was, I was concerned with them being 4-0, and then if they got blown out by Ohio State, they might, you know, lose faith going forward. But it looks like <clears throat> they should be able to finish the rest of their season with uh, winning, or, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really see them having a struggle the rest of the way. Um, I'm excited to watch them continue on. And I think they'll be in a New Year's Six Bowl the way that they're playing. <clears throat> um, I think that they're definitely on the right trajectory. But, you know, Ohio State is the class of the Big Ten. And on a day when Justin Fields throws three interceptions for them to still beat a top ten team, I mean, that should tell you everything you need to know about what's around him. And he still ended up having a pretty okay day. I mean, 300 yards. um, so averaging 10 yards per attempt and through two touchdowns. So still a big day from Justin Fields. Uh, he ran for 78 yards and another touchdown. 
Uh, Master Teague seemed like he finally kind of found his footing. He averaged six and a half yards a carry, scored a couple touchdowns himself. He had almost 170 yards, and he definitely got a majority. He got the lion's share of the carries. But Trey Sermon was effective. He ran for 6.7 yards a carry. And then, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where if the three of them, Fields, Master Teague, and Trey Sermon, are all running the ball, it's really going to continue to set up the pass, and they're just going to be too balanced on offense for anyone to stop them. Now, a team might be able to score with them, like what Indiana did, but if Ohio State's got good enough players to get those situational stops, then, I mean, I don't expect them to lose a game on their schedule, and then I do expect them to go to the playoff. It'll be interesting to see them against the likes of either a Clemson or an Alabama um, or whoever else might be in that playoff mix. So, um, you know, it's a good game. Um, it's funny that those games are at noon, but it was a noon game. Uh, it, was, it was a fun one to watch. So, uh, you know, no one's ever quite out of it. So, with that, I'll actually just go to the, the Battle of the Bulldogs, Georgia versus Mississippi State. And the game itself, I mean, Mississippi State is not that big of an opponent or anything. Um, you know, there's not a lot to talk about there other than, I mean, they traveled with 49 scholarship players. So kudos to Mississippi State because if they wanted to cancel this game or postpone this game, they had clearance to do so. Um, I do think it was a source of pride for them because most of the players missing were due to opt-outs or players entering the transfer portal or what have you. Um, part of uh, part of Mike Leach bringing in his own culture, and you know that's an important uh, important part of this. Um, I think the players wanted to play for him rather than you know. Uh, like just abandon him or or anything like that. So they went with 49 players, 49 scholarship players. So there's some walk-ons on there. 49 scholarship players to go on the road to play, you know, a top 15 team in Georgia and it they gave them everything they could. Mississippi State held Georgia to 8 yards rushing. Um that's an astounding stat and if you told me that that was going to happen, I would definitely think Georgia's chances of winning were slim to none. Of course, the important part of this is that this was the first game that JT Daniels was able to suit up for Georgia. They came out, they wore the black jerseys. Um, Georgia fans know the significance of that, um, but it, it was kind of determined before the year that they were going to wear them because it was a uh, like a special alternate jersey that was was shown prior to the season. Um, well, JT Daniels early on did not look super comfortable in the pocket. Uh, you could tell he was trying to get his sea legs under him and really wanted to kind of progress. And really quickly you realized that you were going to have to throw the ball to win this game. Uh, Georgia continued to try to establish the run because – that is part of their identity and their one of their core values. They want to run the ball. They want to stop the run. And so they continued to try, but Mississippi State sold out to stop it. Um, you know, they continued to have 
seven, eight guys in the box, and having five guys try to block that is just you're just not going to be successful. Uh, Georgia continued to try to run for a little bit, but honestly, they they realized that the way to win this game was to throw the ball, and they were lucky that JT Daniels was up to the task. 28 for 38, 401 yards, four touchdowns. The first 400-yard passing game for Georgia, for a Georgia quarterback since Aaron Murray did it in the 2013 Auburn game in the prayer at Jordan-Hare um, when he had to – so it was a loss the last time it happened. So crazy, crazy time. Um, throwing four touchdowns is also insane. Um it seemed like Mississippi State played their game plan the way they wanted to. They had a lot of short completions. Their, their rushing yards were not great either. You know, They only had 22 rushing yards. So you had Georgia with eight rushing yards, Mississippi State with 22. So neither team was really, really even trying to run the ball, um, at least on Mississippi State's side. They, they did what they had to. Usually they ran the ball in the red zone to try to score, and they did that a few times. Uh, but they threw the short passes. Georgia tackled them, but they continued to move the chains, and they kept their defense off the field for a lot of the game. Um, if you look at the the scoring um, drives, it's Georgia scored on one, two, three, four, five like five of its eight possessions. So it didn't have a ton of possessions, but they continued to score. The game ended 31-24. to 24. Uh, So Georgia was limited on possessions, but they were very explosive. This was the first game all year where Georgia had several plays of 20 yards or more. Uh, they had a few that were 50 yards or more as far as they had six passes that were over 20 yards. Four of those were over 40 yards, and two of those were over 50 yards. So very impressive from the Georgia passing attack, from JT Daniels specifically. It looked like a different team, not just because they were wearing those black jerseys, but he was getting the ball down the field. Now, a lot of this credit also has to go to George Pickens being finally healthy. Um, So George Pickens, the all-everything wide receiver for Georgia, healthy. He threw the ball, or he uh, he was able to make a difference. He helped open things up for Jermaine Burton and Kiaris Jackson. Jermaine Burton probably had the, oh, he's he's definitely to this date had his best game so far. Um, and you know, I don't know about his high school and everything like that, but it could have been one of his best that he's ever had. But eight catches, 197 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, incredible day. So it looked like these receivers were juiced to catch the ball. They were getting the ball thrown downfield. Um, these are the same plays that Georgia has been running, um, but it finally had someone accurate throwing the ball down the field. So the other quarterbacks have strong arms because they were throwing it down the field, but they were overthrowing the re- receivers by 10 yards and not giving them a chance. Now, did JT Daniels throw the ball underthrow it a few times yeah he did but he gave the receivers chances to catch the ball and that's all these receivers are asking for so impressive passing attack from Georgia um questionable after the game Kirby Smart uh tried to act like you know he knew better 
uh, and that this was all part of the plan. And he, you know, it, it just didn't seem right. Like he didn't, it didn't come off the right way about JT being healthy all this time and not playing well, but or not being able to play and all of this. So I'm definitely impressed with um, the way that JT handled himself on the field. It was kind of a lose-lose as far as Georgia fans because if he plays well, you're going to question why he wasn't in there at least against Florida, but even maybe earlier on in the season against Alabama. Um, and then if he didn't play well, then you're going to worry about quarterback. So the good news is Georgia it looks like you have a quarterback going forward. Um, you know, bad news, it's not really going to matter for this season, but, you know, you can play really hard and build for the next year and have a true quarterback competition with the five-star coming in versus JT Daniels um, leading into that next season kickoff versus Clemson. So uh, those are my thoughts from that game. Definitely wanted to touch on it because it was something that, you know, is a national power that we're surprised that, you know, a five-star quarterback who transferred in hadn't played until tonight. So that was impressive that, he got the start and, and played as well as he did. Um, quickly, in the just a couple other SEC games I'll just mention briefly, LSU beats Arkansas. Arkansas led for part of this game. In parts of it, seemed like they should have won. LSU definitely escapes with the win, 27-24, to keep the Golden Boot trophy. Um, I like this rivalry. It's one of my favorites, uh, especially – when Arkansas is playing as you know as well as they have been recently, because uh, I do think that year in year out, because of it being a rivalry, they can challenge LSU. Arkansas drops to three and five. LSU is three and three, which that is a fraudulent three and three. They should have two more losses because they should have played Alabama and Florida. They have gotten out of playing both of them due to COVID, and I I. I don't know. I'm not saying that they are dodging these games, but it does not seem like they really care to contain the virus or to have enough players to play. Um, it doesn't seem like Coach Ogeron was was wanting to play either Alabama or Florida when those games came up. I know they've been postponed and they may be potentially played, but LSU and Arkansas should have the same record right now. They should both be 3-5. and five. It's just Arkansas's played all their games, so... Something to keep an eye on. Florida played Vanderbilt, and Vandy held Florida in check about as good as you can because I do think Florida is elite. 38-17. to 17. Vanderbilt, you know, their, their quarterback, um, Seals, Ken Seals, he's, he's been playing, I mean, about as good as a Vanderbilt quarterback can play. Um, so he had a decent game. But Florida is, you know, a, a tick above, you know, the SEC East right now. And that's, that's odd for that to happen. But they're, they're a tick ahead of Georgia right now. And, um, you know, they beat them, obviously. But Florida's kind of by themselves. And it does not look like they're going to lose any more games the rest of the year. So it looks like they will be meeting up in Atlanta with, with Alabama. Um, final note. Clemson and FSU, Clemson and Florida State, you know, that was an odd one. Clemson shows up three hours before game time. 
and gets a positive COVID test from um, one of its players that have been practicing all week. It was a test that was conducted on Friday, and they had just received the um, the positive results as they landed in Tallahassee. Florida State kind of gets the look of, oh, we didn't want to play them, and that's kind of what Dabo has alluded to. Um, but, you know, it's also... I mean, they had a valid reason, it seemed like. So either way, this may be postponed to be played at a later date. We'll see if it's able to be. Um, but I know FSU is probably wanting to avoid it. Uh, Clemson is probably wanting to get as many of these kinds of games in so they can prep for when they play Notre Dame again and when they eventually go to playoff. So um, that's my thoughts for the week. You know, Jacob... Like I said, Jacob was out. Um, happy to just fill in, just me. Hopefully this was enjoyable for you. Um, we are always, always, always wanting to stay consistent with this thing. We love doing what we do. We're very excited for this next week because we do have a very special guest. Um, we'll reveal it when he's on with us. Uh, he's just one of our favorite sports writers. So happy to have him on the show We'll express um, more about him when, like I said, when we have him on the show this week. So look for that pod to pop up later in the week, maybe when you're celebrating Thanksgiving. Um, we want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving and hope everybody's having a good week. Uh, want to make sure you guys are following us on our social media. It's our best way to communicate with you. Um, and if you could share it with your friends, we'd love that. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook, both at the Extra Point Pod, uh, same same in both places, and then on Twitter, you follow him at Jacob Carnes, so with a K, and you follow me at Deep South Daniel. But for Jacob, not here. For me, see ya.